0: The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience, and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series, I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Hi, hello. Welcome to today's episode. Um, I just wanted to quickly start with a few ways that you can help support keeping the podcast going. One of those is just to leave a quick review or star rating on whatever app you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something else, if you have the time to do so. If you're on social media, you can also screenshot your listening app and share on your stories tagging keepbirthwild.podcast. That would be amazing to help get the word out as well. And if you're tuning in every week, you might also consider signing up as a Patreon supporter. Subscriptions start at $4 per month, so that's just $1 per episode, and 25% of all donations go to a charity supporting Indigenous midwives and improving maternity care outcomes for Indigenous women and babies. You can find out more about that on my website, which is wwwkeepbirthwild forward slash donations. In this episode, I'm speaking to Alicia about the birth of her son, Finley. Finley was just four weeks old when I recorded this interview, and he's five weeks old now, so... So it was really special to speak to such a fresh mama. Alicia has a history of disordered eating and negative body image, and she speaks very honestly about how that contributed to fears that came up during her pregnancy and labor. Despite having a straightforward vaginal birth at home and a beautiful early postpartum, Alicia's big takeaway from the birth was that it was much, much more painful than she expected. She left the birth shocked and a bit traumatized by how painful it was, and again speaks very honestly about that. This is a really beautiful episode which I thoroughly enjoyed recording, but I do just want to briefly flag that if if you're 40 weeks pregnant and trying to protect your space, you might choose to listen to this one later as pain is a big feature. As pain is a big feature of the episode. With that said, I hope you enjoy this story. Hi Alicia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's such a pleasure to be able to get to meet you in this way and hopefully, um, yeah, you've just joined our mother's group because you're local as well so I get to know you in the future but yeah, what a what a privilege to get to hear your birth story first up. Yes,
1: it's pretty exciting to share it. I was just saying to you before that like it is it is an honour to share it as well as to hear other people's birth stories because it really allows me to process it. I'm four and a half weeks out from birthing or or since I birthed <laughs> and um, yeah it's just the more I get the opportunity to either write about it or talk about it um, the better really it's just a really beautiful potent thing to do
0: so mm. thank you. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and your new little family?
1: Yeah so um, I have a newborn son called Finley um, and my partner in I, so Stu is my partner. We live in Croydon with our dog Lola, who is six, and she was our first baby, and she's a really great big sister. Um, she's, <laughs> we were worried about a dog and a baby, but it's actually just been really beautiful. And um, Finley was born on the Tuesday, the twenty-seventh of October, so not that long ago. And, yeah, um,
0: super fresh.
1: Yeah super fresh and I do all sorts of things but I don't do any of them now like it's really weird it's a bizarre um I think like the term some people use is matrescence or maturescence or I don't know how to say it but like where you birth yourself and I don't know who I am anymore but before I didn't know (laughs) who I was I was um working in mental health and body image and um, studying a master's in psychology to become a qualified psychologist. And I still will do those things, but right now they matter zero to me. <laughs> <laughs> zero, absolutely zero, like to the point that I almost didn't
0: mention
1: them. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It feels also irrelevant when you're still in that, you know, really early weeks of parenting.
1: Totally. One day I might care about the parts of my identity, Um other than being a mama but right now I don't have the energy to (laughs) yeah
0: yeah I think that's slow slow to reclaim those bits of yourself that were important before you had a baby. Mm. like there's definitely things that I still go I'm going to go back to that and I feel like I want to but I'm just not ready to make that commitment and that separation from my child that that would require and yeah it's yeah it's an interesting balance because yeah your child can't be absolutely everything to you forever but at that no. in those, you know where you're at right now that really is that really is the case. hundred
1: mm. percent and like it feels to me like healthy surrender to just um, focus on one thing at a time and I'm excited to do that like it I've done too many things all at once my whole life and when I found out I was pregnant I was just really um setting the intention of being a full-time mum for as long as that felt nourishing um, mm. and as long as that felt important and at the moment it is very much all-consuming which is um, both beautiful and challenging <laughs> all in one go yeah
0: so back to the beginning with Finley, was he a planned baby or how did his conception come about
1: he wasn't. I like we always wanted kids. We've been together for eight years. Um, just this, I think it's like our anniversary is tomorrow. So eight years tomorrow, um, and we wanted kids, but it was in my head. I'm such a planner. Never the right time. I just started my masters, and then found out I was pregnant with Finley. Um, oops. And, and um, so that that was a bit complicated for a second while I worked out how I was going to still um, become a qualified psychologist while also birthing a baby, but it worked out well and it's all fine. Um, but no, he was not planned and um, I found out I was pregnant in the at the start of February and although I was convinced I was pregnant four days after we conceived and then it was that roller coaster of... Like, are, am I deluded? Are these symptoms that I'm feeling? Is my body doing all sorts of weird stuff I have never felt before? Um, and then had all these negative pregnancy tests and convinced myself I was deluded until four days later when I was actually pregnant on a pregnancy test. <laughs> so that was the rollercoaster. Um, yeah, but unplanned but very, very welcome.
0: Mm, amazing. Yeah. And how were you feeling in those, those early weeks once you'd finally got that positive test and mm. you were sure how, how was that um, kind of first trimester for you?
1: Well, initially, to be honest, my first response was anxiety because of the fact that I'd set my next two years up to look very different. Um, and I really felt the need, like my first focus is get my ducks in a row, work out how this is going to be okay Um, on a practical sense so yeah there was quite a lot of anxiety in those first few weeks and then once I'd settled what I was doing I got to relax into the fact that I was pregnant and kind of take it in and then be very like simultaneously there was excitement but after that first three weeks of anxiety and sorting stuff out I got to be fully excited and I didn't I was so lucky I had no real morning sickness no vomiting thank goodness because i actually have an eating disorder history so i was a bit scared of the vomiting um should there be vomiting and um and i didn't have to traverse that world which was fantastic i was like thank you universe um and yeah like i had some food aversions some really crazy food aversions like i couldn't eat my favorite food is broccoli and I couldn't touch broccoli, green beans or Brussels sprouts or any leafy green vegetable for, I think, about 26 weeks. It was what? insane. Yeah. Like, like I, I I, ate other vegetables, but they, they, I, that, they, it made me want to gag. And I didn't take it seriously initially until I ate beans one time and um, realized that I really needed to take it seriously because that was the closest I came to vomiting. Hmm. And um, (laughs) so since then I trusted trusted those aversions um yeah but early on really mostly so once I got past the anxiety really cruisy um and really really lovely my body responded really nicely I had all of this energy that I hadn't had prior and I think that was kind of as a result of um my Chinese medicine doctors say that it was as a result of my hormones had been unbalanced for quite a long time and pregnancy is like a refresh button at times so um yeah I felt fantastic I was like this is the best I want to be pregnant forever not so much in the last trimester but um (laughs) early on it was good
0: oh that's amazing yeah (laughs) and yeah had you Given that it was unplanned, that pregnancy, mm. you had much thought before you fell pregnant about about place of birth or what sort of care provider you'd choose or how in, yeah, once you found out you are pregnant, how did you come to make a decision to home birth?
1: It's interesting to surprise myself with choosing home birth but now it's going to home birth. Like it's, um, like, yeah, I was obsessed with birth and children from a really young age. And really, I knew a lot about the birth system prior to becoming pregnant. And I was heavily involved in postpartum care for quite a lot of my friends, um, had like heard their birth stories in detail and their pregnancy stories. And even like when I was in Bali, I found a birth center, just found myself um, through Friends of Friends and Connections at an amazing natural birthing center called Bumi Sahat and it's near Ubud, and um, I was there and learnt all about how they naturally water birth and they do um, pain-free birth and pain-free, pain relief, pain probably pain-high, pain-high birth, but pain-relief-free birth um, and acupuncture and provide care to the local people, but you can also go on birth there as an international person. Um, It was really cool. And so I went went there twice and I had a relationship with them where I would bring them stuff from Australia every time I came to Bali um, and was obsessed with what they were doing there. Um, So then I don't know why I was surprised when I decided that I was going to do home birth, but it came from a place of probably my wounding with the healthcare system a little bit from my autoimmune stuff, like early on. Um, like six or seven years ago, I struggled to get any help from the mainstream medical system and it was the Chinese medicine and naturopath scene that was able to help me and eventually make me almost like I've almost fully recovered from my symptoms and which is amazing. And, but the Western medical system hadn't kind of nothing to give me at that time. And so I kind of didn't want to go near it. Um, and then also I'm a plus-size woman and my immediate – my, I ended up experiencing some really horrible stuff with um, the hospital system early on in my pregnancy where I was told I was three kilos under the BMI cutoff for a water birth at a hospital. And so that was actually – Um, and they, they said to me that very likely I would put that three kilos on in pregnancy and therefore be no longer eligible for water birth. And Mm -hmm. I was just like blown away by that, um, and blown away to, to know the kind of, like I work in body image. So I know the kind of stigma that, um, different body people experience every day and through the medical system, but. I had not realized that birth was gonna be one of those places as well. So yeah, I I got a bit of, not a shock, but was like really upset by it. And um, had a scenario with an obstetrician where he told me I wasn't allowed to put on any weight in my birth um, because then otherwise I would lose. And so I wasn't eligible for midwifery group practice either. So I really did investigate my options and investigate going through the hospital. So I was involved with them in maybe the first 16 weeks of my pregnancy, but I had booked my home birth prior to that. Like I'd already signed up. It just took me a while to get myself disentangled from them once I had registered with them, um, the hospital, I mean. Um, yeah, so I I think I've always been into spirituality, um, natural health, Chinese med, um, holistic living, I've really been a fan of gentle parenting and all of those things that kind of correlate with a person who chooses home birth but I still surprised myself at the actual time that I chose it and um, yeah COVID was around at the time as well and that kind of came into it but at a very minimal level to be honest. It was like this is how I want to birth. And the second I spoke to Lisa at Yarra Valley Midwives and realised that she could give me body neutral care, I was in. I was like, I just do not wish to be a pregnant person with an eating disorder history and have to have conversations about my weight at all. It's completely irrelevant um, to the healthy birth of a baby. And she was able to give me that care and really believes in body neutral care so that was a huge um relief to be able to access that and also to be able to just access all my choices like to not be discriminated against in any way and be able to have the birth of my um own vision rather than being told oh you can't have this or you can't have that like and irrespective of body size the hospital system is a place of that um So, yeah, yeah, I surprised myself somehow, but really I was always going to be that, like, willing woman, as um, Rhea Dempsey would put it.
0: Mm, Yeah, amazing. And so I I had Lisa and Robbie for my birth as well, and I can attest that they're amazing, but I didn't, you know, I obviously don't come from the same kind of Mm. background as you. So, yeah, it's really beautiful and and not at all surprising knowing them to hear that they provide that sort of care for you. Absolutely,
1: yeah, she she was phenomenal. And any time I would bring it up at all, she'd be like, yep, you're a healthy birthing woman, full stop, end of sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was really, really soothing to have someone who could even um guide me and advocate for me with myself as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Did you have any kind of um any other health concerns or symptoms come up uh, through the rest um, of your pregnancy,
1: I had uh, some pubic pain. I think symphysis pubis-ish. Um, it, I, I, it didn't fully manifest the same as what they sort of expect or see normally. Um, but I saw an amazing osteo and had shiatsu and was able to access what I could access during COVID. Um, and again, that was the, such a benefit to being involved with. Lisa and Robbie, is that um, they wrote letters um, with medical exemptions and got me access to the care that I needed because it was quite acute pain at one point. Um, And then when I got involved with the treatment for it, it was super well managed and I wasn't in pain at all. Um, So yeah, that was a blip on the radar and they were able to help me move through that. And then um, the other thing that happened is at 37 weeks or 36 weeks, we found out that Finley was breech, um, which was a bit of a scare because that could have taken the home birth off the table. Um, and somehow, somehow, I still don't know how, um, through magic <laughs> um, and the use of acupuncture, moxibusts and spinning babies positions and just... I don't know, sheer willpower, Um, me and my partner committed for a full week to sending me upside down in really uncomfortable positions and we got him to turn, which was amazing, and I showed up to the hospital for the um, procedure that they do um, to spin babies and they did an ultrasound and they were like, well, you don't need to be here. Um, Your baby has turned. (laughs) And that was a magic, magic moment because, Um, Obviously, there's some risks associated with turning babies in hospital like that, but um, still worth it. And, yeah, I got to go home. And, yeah, so that was pretty amazing. But also I think actually, to be honest, was one of the contributing factors to how I ended up with the crisis of confidence that I did in my birth because one of my shadowy, like, thoughts that – come up for me and I was prepared to come up during my birth was body mistrust because of my previous autoimmune history. So, like, because I didn't know what was happening to my body like six or seven years ago, I had all of these experiences of losing trust with my body and it took me years and years to rebuild trust and believe that my body was actually on my team. Um, And then I knew that with birth, unless I was reassured that things were normal and that my body wasn't doing weird stuff, that I would potentially lose trust with my body. And then unfortunately somehow something sparked in my brain with the breach, which had absolutely nothing to do with my body. Um, Like very, very often breach just happens or is is potentially, like Lisa was saying, potentially the way that some babies are even meant to be born. Um, But the system isn't necessarily receiving of that um yeah so I don't know I somehow interpreted it as my body has failed in some way subconsciously I didn't I didn't really know that I'd processed it in this way until later and um yeah it it did come up in my birth this body mistrust stuff um which which was a bit annoying, to be honest, because I felt like I'm prepared <laughs> for that shadow thought, and then it still came. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you? Um, I mean, Lisa and Robbie provide pretty comprehensive kind of birth education, but did mm. you do any other courses or external kind of birth things, or did you read any particular books that you found really yeah. cool in preparation?
1: Yeah, I read all of um, both of Rhea Dempsey's books and did all of the journaling questions out of there, which is he- like how I um, did all of that stuff on preparing for like what shadowy stuff could come up for me um, when I'm put under pressure. And I also read Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering, um, and a whole heap of Sheila. What's her net last name? Sheila Kurtzinger or Hertzinger? The home birth queen lady um <laughs> her um her books oh Kitsinger. kitzinger is her name um yeah I read a lot of those and I yeah I felt really well prepared and early on Stu and I did hypnobirthing um which was amazing we got to like that was where we kind of united as a team early on and I worked out that I could have a 50 percent birthing partner because that was pretty revolutionary to me early on in pregnancy that that was possible and Lisa was such an advocate for that as you um, may be aware that she really involves the birthing partner and um, yeah I had such a beautiful experience of like learning that Stu could be such a huge part of the birth like it wasn't just going to be me Um, yeah so we did quite a few things and that also added to my post-birth resentment when I was shocked at the amount of pain that happened in my birth. <laughs> and I was like, how does this happen? I've done so much preparation. How is this a surprise to me? Um, <laughs> but somehow it really was.
0: I'm, I'm interested to know what you thought of Rhea Dempsey's second book. I haven't mm. read it and I've, um, I haven't I have heard heaps about it, but have what I have heard have been quite mixed reviews. Did you um, yeah. have any thoughts on it that you wanted to share?
1: I really liked it, but it was a lot of stuff that I had previously done on my spiritual journey. Like it was um, quite a lot of stuff about delving into your shadow um, and preparing for what could come up when you're put under pressure. And I liked that about it. However, none of the pre-birth preparation prepared me. So I guess that's like also a review. (laughs) So it's like um there I don't know what would have prepared me better but yeah I I enjoyed it and the first I think I did enjoy the first one more mm. um the, out of her books and and also I guess there's some stuff like you take the gold nuggets out of everything and then leave the bits that don't fully resonate and there were definitely bits in there that didn't fully resonate with me and Um, That was the great thing about choosing my care provider is that when I chose Lisa um, and also Robbie, but, like, Lisa was my primary midwife, I knew we were values aligned and that was critical for me. Like, I knew that I was fully aligned with their approach, whereas, like, some of these books I'd sort of take a little bit, leave a little bit. Um, And even with hypnobirthing, I sort of, there was stuff I loved, stuff I didn't love. Um, along the way
0: Mm. and that's the great thing about a really good um kind of patient-centered midwife is that Mm. they'll they'll adapt their care to really suit you I feel like that's what that's what they did for me and and just provided perfect care but perfect care is going to look differently for different women and Mm -hmm. um and that's the difference I suppose between reading a book by somebody who has a you know a very developed opinion Mm -hmm. and and is sharing that from there from their own experience compared to somebody who's who's actually charged with taking care of a diverse group of people and having to adapt.
1: A hundred percent,
0: absolutely, yeah. So we might dive into the birth with Finlay. Um, what was some, yeah, how many weeks did you go to and what were some early signs of labour starting with him?
1: So I got to 40 plus five um, and I had f- felt weird for two days prior, but I had no real Braxton Hicks well zero Braxton Hicks at all um I had a little bit of back pain that felt a bit uterine but it wasn't it wasn't very severe at all um I had been to my Chinese medicine doctor I think the day before I went into labor um and she had sort of said by my pulse that it was very likely that she couldn't guarantee it but very likely that I'd be birthing within 48 hours from that time um and that was validating because I was having all of this weirdness that I can't even remember it was so subtle what was happening but I just felt like something was coming but then it was funny because Lisa said to me just be careful with that because you could be in that space for a week two weeks um and you know, preferably don't think that you're going to be in labour in 48 hours because that may be exhausting if you're not. Um, so, yeah, my symptoms were super subtle. I didn't, yeah, the second that it started happening, it really started happening. But before that, there was nothing really. Like it was, it. I could feel it coming intuitively now in retrospect, but no real, none of those other things that you hear about other people, like I've heard other people's birth stories and, Braxton Hicks or practice labor or you know contractions that go on like the prodromal labor and nothing nothing like that just a tiny bit of back pain and a weird vibe mm. yeah <laughs> I <laughs> cried on the toilet for no reason that was how I knew it was coming
0: <laughs> now you probably do that all the time with a four-week-old baby <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that so is it. weird <laughs> Once things really got started it came on quite strong mm-hmm. was yeah how did you sort of traverse your way through early labor?
1: Well I didn't I, I don't know whether I'd say I got an early labor because um, my waters broke at 8:30 on the Monday um, and then I went and saw Lisa uh, sorry 8:30 p.m and then we went and saw Lisa to check because baby's head wasn't fully engaged. Um, prior to the waters breaking that day I'd seen her and I think I was like I don't know what measurement I was in I was but it wasn't fully in Um, engaged but not fully engaged and so we got checked to make sure that the waters breaking had had that gravity reaction and that like now the head was in my pelvis Um, and yeah like Lisa warned me at that point that Potentially, I wasn't going to go into labour anytime soon, and that I had, um, I actually had a 10 a.m. Shiatsu acupuncture Chinese med session booked that she wanted me to go to to ensure that I had the best chance of getting into established labour within that window that they needed it to happen once the waters break. Because my waters broke so violently, it was like the movies. Like, you know, you get told that your waters probably won't break. But I got up to go to the toilet off the couch in the middle of a movie and luckily made it off the couch. had no idea that this toilet feeling was my waters about to break. Um, and made it to the floorboards away from the couch and everything just exploded on the floor. <laughs> I was like, what? This is, this is like the movies. Um, and then um, by the time we got home from Lisa, um, which was like maybe 11.30, got into bed, labour started at 12.30 and my contractions, so the first hour we recorded um, surges, Oh, no, sorry, within an hour we were recording surges and I had six in 25 minutes straight out the gate. And I was like, what the hell? This is this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I signed up for like a half an hour gap between surges and I could just like get my groove. No, no, that's, yeah, that wasn't what was to be for me and my, con- my contractions or surges or whatever whatever we call them, they did not let up with any gap of less, of, of more than three minutes. So, like, there was often two-minute and one-minute gaps um, but maximum three-minute gaps when we were timing them. And, yeah, so I guess you could say that early labour was from then till 7 a.m. when Lisa showed up and... Um, And we called her at 5 a.m. And I don't know how we held out for so long because I was so confused about why I was having such intense surges straight out the gate. Um, (laughs) And somehow we managed to make it to 5 a.m. before Stu sort of said, hmm, all right, we're going to call her. And she showed up at 7 and then um, obviously decided things were needing the second midwife. And then Robbie came, I think, like half an hour later. So, or maybe an hour later. I don't know. It's Mm. all a blur now. But I was in bed for that whole first part with the TENS machine. And I was really good mentally at that point, apart from being quite shocked that it was so intense so quickly. Um, I was sort of happy enough in the bed for the first seven hours. But... Right around the time that Lisa arrived, I started to, I don't know, maybe before she arrived, I'd vomited for the first time from the pain. Um, And I'd been awake all night, no sleep at all. Um, And like I'd been lying down the entire time but had not gone to sleep. And then by that stage, I had started to become quite fatigued and also dehydrated. Um, So that then became a bit of an issue as time went on. Um, I managed to avoid an IV and <laughs> got myself um, hydrated as best as I possibly could um, through their help. Like three of them trying to get hydrolytes and um, water into me constantly. Um, and I got—I had to take anti-nausea tablets because I then vomited. I think a second and a third time. I definitely vomited a second time, but
0: it's possible there was a third as well. Mm. And did you have any of that? Um, I guess kind of. I, I don't know how you would describe it, but those feelings that you're expecting um, around vomiting during pregnancy, during your labour.
1: No, I like that was because I was so like they, that was like pain level vomiting as opposed to um, when nausea surges in your body for quite a long period due to food stuff. Like that felt mm. different. Like that it was like an overcoming like the, the body had gone into its autopilot and was vomiting due to the due to the level of pain, um, which, yeah, definitely felt really different. And I wasn't, like, I obviously hate vomiting. I don't think anyone really enjoys it. It wasn't, like, a, a key feature of my labour. But, um, no, it didn't trigger any disordered thoughts at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah probably too deep into it to kind of
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <level anyway.
1: laughs> totally
0: yeah yeah so once both the midwives had arrived how did things progress from there
1: um it kind of went um mentally physically i guess the theme of my labor is that the pain was so much worse than i ever could have possibly imagined and at about the Um, My labour lasted 19 hours or, like, from the point where my first contraction started. Um, But, yeah, about nine hours in. So I think I spent 10 hours in an internal crisis of confidence that would not go away um, where I was saying to myself, this pain is too much. I can't do this. But I wasn't verbalizing that to anyone else. And my body, I was managing to take the guidance from them or give myself guidance to continue breathing in a particular way to make sure that my body didn't release adrenaline. Um, and, or like maybe it did a little bit. But
0: okay. overall,
1: on the outside, I looked like I was handling things quite well, but mentally, Everything was really crazy in my brain. Um, And the thoughts were just on loop, and it was really, really challenging. And I did not expect that. I thought that I would be able to, like, I thought that mentally I'd be the strongest, to be honest, um, out of the physical and mental. Um, And no, that wasn't the case. Like, I really struggled with those thoughts. I think probably after the fatigue had hit and it had gone on already for nine hours Um, and so really it was phenomenal that they were there because at that nine hour point where they had maybe I think Lisa had been there for two hours it had just become really hard for me mentally Um, and luckily at about that point I got my first stint in the pool so they had been preparing that and I got into the pool and I was really keen on the pool because I thought the pool would help with the pain. And maybe it did, but I did not feel that it did. <laughs> like, like maybe it would have been worse if I wasn't in the pool, but, like, it, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like nothing else. Um, and I don't know if it's the same for all women and, like, it must not be because, you know, some women manage to have those orgasmic births. And and some women managed to say they breathed their babies out. Well, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's like you take – you hear what you want to hear, I guess, because I did breathe my baby out. I didn't push in the end, like, when we get to that part. But that doesn't mean it was good or easy or, like, meditative. It wasn't like – I think I interpreted when people say I breathed my baby out that it means that, like – It was exactly like Emma Isaac's birth that she live-streamed on Instagram. I don't know if you saw that.
0: I I did, actually.
1: It was incredible. And she was on, I think, her sixth or seventh baby. And she's an uh, Australian woman who runs Business Chicks, the business, and um, she lives in the US and she did a home birth live-streamed. And I watched it and I was like, this is incredible. And she literally breathed her baby out, like in the way that I imagined breathing a baby out would be. Um, <laughs> she looked serene and it looked amazing. And I was like, I want to do it like that. Um, <laughs> but no, no, that is not what happened. So I was in the water and I was being encouraged to circle my hips and um, or, like, move between contractions or during contractions, and most of the time I really couldn't. Like, I tried to follow, like, the instructions from the midwives, and I did a little bit, but it was so painful that I was just barely, like, existing, and I, existing in the sense that with my body I was managing to breathe and sound um sound out my pain and um, really like sound was an amazing tool that I had and I'm glad that I did do those things Um, but apart from breathing and sounding and focusing on that I really like struggled to like physically move my body and that potentially is why I didn't dilate very quickly um, but I'm not sure. It's hard. Like I should ask Lisa and Robbie what their professional opinion is on why we did get to almost 4pm and I was only four centimetres dilated at that point. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I think in a hospital system that would have deemed, been deemed failure to progress. But in my labour that was like Lisa and Robbie getting me out of the pool and moving on to something else, and that something else was spinning babies' positions and um, what is that, Rebozo, where they were shaking me in all sorts of ways, all three of them. My partner Stu, um, Lisa and Robbie, were all involved in this one amazing position that I was like how is how am I alive this is so painful Um, (laughs) I was bent over my kitchen table with one foot on a tiny little stool and Lisa and Robbie were shaking each leg with rebozo and Stu had his hands on my back and my sacrum and was viciously shaking there too and they were all so vicious and it was happening through contractions and I had to do one like I think it was like eight or ten contractions on each leg and so they were, like, I was there for, like, 20 contractions. I was like, what is life? What is life? <laughs> <laughs> and they would make me walk up and down the hallway um, and lift my leg and rotate my leg and my hip, like, lift my leg and do, like, a hip circle, and I, I threw contractions. And I was like, what is this? This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And I'm laughing now, but I really wasn't laughing at the time. I was in my head um, saying this sucks. I don't know how I can do it. But then – always following their instructions. And I think that was super anchoring to know that I trusted them all so deeply and I felt so safe. So even though my crisis of confidence was going on and basically every contraction, I was like, I can't do this. What the hell? This is too much. Um, I also had this other part of me that just was in such deep surrender and trust with the three of them and anything they told me to do, I did it even when I really, really didn't want to. Um, so I'd pull faces and um, I barely said anything. I, I was, like, I was very loud but not very verbal. I couldn't really say much. Um, but, yeah, they could tell that I wasn't pleased about doing the thing. Um, <laughs> but I would do the thing. Um, yeah, so we got at me out of the pool and I was four centimetres dilated, but I didn't know that because I asked not to know any of that. Um And I didn't have any um, checks vaginally. They were watching the line on the back of me um, to know that. And they also just, I think, knew from all of their other ways of knowing, Um, and I don't know what they are, but they just managed to know all the things. Um, (laughs) And I didn't know, so I didn't know why I was being asked to get out of the pool. I just knew that I was pissed off about being asked to move whatsoever whatsoever. Um, I wasn't happy staying still. I wasn't happy moving, but I was like, shit, I'm stuck. And that also was really hard mentally. I did feel a bit like the, not that um, the, the, the midwives were torturing me, but that the pain of labour was like torture and it felt relentless and there was no happy position for me. I couldn't really find relief even between contractions really, um, which was really challenging. But, yeah, they got me out of the pool and I was like, well, I might as well. This sucks anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, and then it really sucked while they did all those things to me, but it managed to get me really dilated really fast and, um, and then I ended up being asked to go and rest in the bed with Stu. And I say rest with that sass because as if I was resting, the word rest at that time is just hysterical that I was asked <laughs> to do that. And I had no rest. And um, it they ramped up, the, the surges and contractions ramped up massively at that point. Um, and then I was on the toilet, which was the worst part of my labour. Um Sitting on the toilet and then, like, being – I felt like I was somehow falling into the toilet but not really. Like, I I ended up feeling like I had bruises on my bum from the imprint of the toilet seat from, like, sitting – I had my, like, legs up on one of those squatty potty things and, like, just the pressure of the toilet (laughs) for some reason was just – Awful, but that was also a good point because Lisa was in the bathroom with me, and she was guiding me um, really deep into my breath. And I think that's probably the best I felt throughout the labor. Like when she was there for a full hour, continuing to guide me to breathe. Like if she left, I was like struggling again. Um, but while she and she did leave for a second to check on the pool, and then I noticed like when she came back, I was all right again. Um, so yeah they're super I cannot believe the work that they do and how important it is because um, yeah without her in that moment I was really struggling and my breath was like beautiful because she had been guiding it like I was in a really meditative state while also still saying I can't do this this pain is too much like that did not go away but in that in that one hour I probably felt mentally the best out of the whole labor. And then I got asked if I wanted to go back. Well, no, I do not think I. I don't think I got asked at all. I was ready for the pool, and I told them I was going to the pool at that point. And I jumped into this pool in my room, in my spare room, which is now Finley's room. Not that he sleeps in there, but it, one one day he'll sleep in there. Um, <laughs> and um, and I jumped into this pool without even looking, and somehow Stu and Robbie had like left the hose unattended, so the pool was almost overflowing, <laughs> and I jumped into it, not even giving it, uh, any any like shits really, <laughs> whether whether I was getting into a pool that was going to overflow in my... I didn't even notice. I was like, I'm in. And they were all like, what? What's happening? Oh, my God. And getting buckets to get the water out. Um, and it didn't overflow, thank goodness. But, um, yeah, it was just so funny about the state that I was in at that time that I was, like, not even looking at the water, didn't even notice, just was straight in. And, um, yeah, within an hour on, of that point, so that would probably bring us to about 6, 6.15, P.M. and within 45 minutes to an hour, he was out. And he was out after I think I had about seven contractions where the natural expulsive reflex was happening, and he ejected himself, or my uterus ejected him. And that was like, that was the most powerful part. Like, I can reflect on that, and I've been able to immediately reflect on that part and be like, wow. The human body is phenomenal. It was excruciating. um, And I whined like a child in that part. (laughs) Um, But, and whereas the rest of the time I was like in this deep, um, sort of animalistic sounding sort of space, when that was happening, I was like whimpering. And, um, but it was incredible, like even to look back on and be like, how does the uterus do that? Like, that is so cool. yeah and then, and then he was out and I didn't I didn't get the sensation of pushing like my body was doing it and my body it was it was like there was these invol- involuntary tremor shaking sensation that was happening up my back and my sides and then I like the body would expel and it was just it was crazy I don't, I don't know did you get to feel that
0: Um, not, not really. It was definitely involuntary. Yeah. Like I couldn't have stopped, but, but I was pushing. Yeah. 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 Quite different for me.
1: Yeah. Whereas I just didn't, I don't know. I don't know why everybody's different, I guess, but I did not physically push. I felt like it was taking over and I couldn't do anything, including push. Mm. Like I was just, it was just happening to me. Like, obviously my body was happening to itself, but, like, yeah, super bizarre. And um, at a certain point, I think three contractions before he was out, Stu got into the pool, and that was part of our birth plan from the very beginning, and it was really beautiful that that could actually happen. Um, And he got into the pool to catch Finley, which I – and, I like, I know lots of women – want to catch their babies themselves but I always like we had this vision of him catching the baby um and so that was really cool that that could happen and he was as per usual just like an integral part of the entire thing and then he was in the pool and while I was obviously just having a terrible old time I I was sentient of what was going on behind me and Lisa was just giving him this whole education about what happens and why and how he was gonna catch the baby and like it was just really cool like he learned so much and had this beautiful experience meanwhile I was dying and (laughs) and and then um, he got to catch Finley which was so cool and then um, he passed him through to me I was bent over the side of the pool and he passed him through to me underneath and um, I just fell backwards like out of and then just sobbed out of, like, it wasn't about Finlay at all. It was about the fact that it was done and I was so relieved and I just sobbed. I was like, thank God that is over because that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and and that sucked because in retrospect as well, like, it feels like I felt really, like, called to tell this story and also, um, to share about how annoyed I was to have been in so much pain because I really thought I would enjoy my birth. Like they're not, not like enjoying the kind of like, um, you know, like it, it was beautiful and not painful way. Um, enjoy it in the sense that like it was an initiation that was powerful and I felt powerful and I really didn't feel that powerful except for when the natural expulsive reflex uterine thing was happening. I really felt, defeated through most of it and I felt a lot of pain and it it was really a struggle in those first few days after the birth to kind of reconcile that that um it was a shock the level of pain and I didn't have a nice time and I wouldn't reflect on it as a beautiful experience I know it was a powerful important initiation and I now can look back at it and feel empowered that I did it and also, like, super empowered that somehow I managed to get my body to do all of those things while my mind was saying that I couldn't. And that feels really empowering, like, and super powerful. But in those days following the birth, I was pretty shocked, like shell-shocked. And when I went to sleep the first time after birthing Finlay, I like couldn't sleep because I was having flashbacks of the pain, and I felt scared to lie down in my bed because I had this association that like maybe another contraction was going to happen, and I just couldn't stand the idea of another <laughs> contraction. And mm. yeah, so that was really challenging.
0: Um, yeah, it's yeah. Such an interesting response because I can relate to a, a lot of. A little bit of the mm. sensations kind of that you're talking about I had a similar thing where my labor just you know wasn't really going anywhere but I was in a really kind of deep state mm. and, they, and they got me out of the pool as well and did the mm. same <laughs> <laughs> incredibly hard like, and I thought I was going to die mm. and I can really relate to that but then I, I I think I just the second she was out it was just unimportant and it's yeah I think that I like I can recall how painful it was but um, I guess it's a little bit like with lots of other memories where you just focus on the good bits and, totally. and how bad it is, really dull. So it's really fascinating to hear that, that how bad it was was the bit that stuck with you and, and kind of yeah. lingered to haunt you after the birth.
1: Totally. And it has dissipated now and now I can say, oh, yes, I can see all of the good bits, like the good bits being... Wow, what a team I had. Holy crap, I'm so glad I did that at home. Um, you know, yes, I would do it again, which is hysterical because Lisa said to me that I would tell her I will do it again. And I was like, absolutely not. The stalk is going to drop off my second child that I'd like to have and I'm not birthing at all. And maybe I'll even book in for an elective C-section, which, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a huge swing. There's nothing wrong with an elective C-section whatsoever. And that is one of my key takeaways as well. It's like however a person chooses to birth, I bow down to them and celebrate them because, wow, it is hard. Like no matter which path you choose, it is an initiation and we are all superheroes. And that was a super humbling part of the experience, like to know how painful that birthing really, really is, makes me just appreciate whichever choice any person makes when they birth which is cool
0: but yeah, absolutely that's that's like yeah that's like my big passion mm. this is not one right way to do it but you can't no. make that individual decision for yourself without knowing what all of the options are
1: a hundred percent
0: and
1: yeah and it's and like when I joke about booking in for an elective c-section obviously if I had to have one I'm so grateful they exist And so many women choose them and full power to them. But that wasn't what was in alignment with my values for my birthing. And so for me to say that following a birth that I had just like basically spent 10 months studying and preparing to have this home birth that I thought was going to be this really beautiful initiation. It was a powerful initiation, but it certainly was not beautiful until Finley arrived. That was the beautiful part. And and (laughs) up until that part, there was like, I did not see or feel the beauty and I didn't forget like I um, rang my friend um, on like I think day three after Finley was born and I was like I need to debrief my birth with you and she was obviously receptive to that and I just cried for an hour and a half hysterically cried while telling her what had happened because I was just so shell-shocked and I had to consider a week afterwards whether I had trauma from my perfect home birth. And that had, that was really challenging mentally as well that I was like, I've had this birth where I didn't even tear and my I didn't have to push and my baby came out perfect and, <laughs> like, I felt so shamed by myself, like shaming of myself that I would feel traumatised. Mm-hmm. And um, I now look back and I don't think I do have birth trauma at all. I think I was just shell-shocked because since then, like about a week afterwards I had processed it and I no longer feel t- like the word trauma feels accurate, but shell-shock definitely and and shock like that. Yeah, for some reason it just surprised me so deeply and, and there was a lot of um, – self-criticism afterwards as well, that I wasn't able to navigate out of that crisis of confidence and that that crisis of confidence lasted 10 hours internally in my head. That was really hard to reconcile that like for someone who really thought that they were going to be able to navigate pain in a different mental space due to my previous experience, I guess that really stuck with me that I didn't and I don't know I still don't know how I would do it differently. Um, although I think like it has helped to talk to a lot of other women since birthing and really hear them when they say in response yes, it is that painful like <laughs> <and> like <laughs> most 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 women have agreed with me and said yeah. Yeah, we and then some of them even said that they told me beforehand, but I just didn't hear. Like I didn't. That I just don't think you can hear it <laughs> until you felt it. I don't know. Some something like that.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting. And well, yeah, it's interesting you say that. That that kind of the fear of the pain wasn't what you could hear in the shared stories, because I think the greater narrative around birth is all about pain and fear. Mm-hmm. Yes. That lingers with people and. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's fascinating that yeah, having been so educated and probably potentially making the choice to surround yourself with stories that were more positive and yeah, uh, and people who could look back on their births as a positive experience probably aren't talking about the pain as much. No,
1: yeah, because I guess even if I would have asked you about your birth, potentially the pain doesn't feature. Whereas even though we had a very similar. Um, into Like not intervention, like um, I guess it is an intervention sort of, but the similar pathway of of what happened in our births, and you would say you resonate with the pain, but you didn't take away that as a as a feature. Whereas I'm like, well, this is this is a feature for me. Like, yeah, yeah I've walked away going, whoa. Like, and I and I do agree with you. Like, pain is such a theme of the birth education. But I had so thought, this is the thing, it's like, I think maybe there was a little bit of ego involved in it as well, but not a huge amount, but a little bit of like, I know how to work with pain because of my previous experience. I think that might have been where the shock came from as well, that like, with all of the, um, the like previous experience i've had that i was not able to coach myself out of it that then that resulted in more judgment of my own response to the pain than the pain itself i guess
0: yeah yeah absolutely and and having prepared yourself so well and kind of you know feeling i i definitely felt like i've set myself up with the perfect birth team and i've got yep <laughs> the birth and i've read all the books and you know, I've done everything I can, so you know.
1: Yeah, why am I shocked? Like, I guess shock was not the the emotion I was expecting to feel. I was like, keep prepared, and and shock was not part of my plan. Um, yeah, so that was that was really challenging, and and it is interesting that I still, you know, people would say like, how was your birth? And I, my answer will be prominently featuring the pain Mm. um and and there are so many beautiful things as well like the fact that you know I got to like my body just did the most magical thing all by itself or with with help from Lisa and Robbie and Stu with the shaking thing but like aside from that all by itself and it like made like I made a scenario where a baby came out in water in my house um, without any intervention and my partner got to catch him and then 15 minutes later my placenta had naturally come out, um, which was such a relief because soon after having Finley, I was like, thank God that's over. And then all of a sudden the um, contractions for the placenta started and you should have seen me. I was like, I said, to, I said to Lisa and Robbie, I'm like, how do we get this out I
0: was going to ask about the placenta going, oh, that would have been a rude shock. It was
1: really upsetting. I knew it was coming, um, but I didn't know that that would hurt so much either. <laughs> I was like, shit, here we are again. Um, but magically, thank goodness, my body, like my body really knew what I needed at that point and let me have that placenta out really fast. Um, and I didn't bleed. Like I think I was under the average of or under, I don't know, some sort of recorded amount of bleeding um, and didn't tear. Like there was a tiny little nick that they found, but it had already started like it had already connected back to itself. It was tiny and they just didn't even really consider it a tear. Um, and, yeah, I had no problems whatsoever. And it was just so beautiful in so many ways. Like we sat there afterwards and got to do the breast fall and um, my mum came two hours after the birth and I got fed food in bed and we did this ritual where we burnt the cord and Like, all of these beautiful things happen and my first prominent thought is, holy shit, my birth was painful. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. It's, yeah. And I Mm -hmm. guess that's just, like, we all respond differently to these things and, um, yeah, it is kind of why I wanted to talk about it as well because I didn't hear it like this before and I don't know if anyone listening – Will hear it the way that I hope that they hear it, or like, what do I even hope? I don't know. But (laughs) maybe I just hope that someone doesn't get as shocked as me. Um, But yeah, like I don't even know if you can hear it at the like the depths of your being hear it. Um, Because I tried to. I like I feel like in terms of the preparation, I really thought I was prepared. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you prepare for that.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I I had the same thought. Like, you, yeah, you you don't. I mean, the whole of labour, including pain and and all of the other sensations mm-hmm. included, you can read about for days or watch people birthing for days, but you're probably not going to be able to be prepared. And yeah, even feel like if I was to have another baby, the contractions would start, and I'd be like, oh, oh no, this is oh, like. I'd I'd forgot like I could remember, but I'd forgotten how it felt. Yes. So, I, yeah, I think it is hard to have those just really physiological sensations in the body as as a thought. It's not something yes. you can really describe accurately, so it's probably not something that you can
1: transmit at all. Like Yeah. yeah like basically, I should seek to hope to <laughs> and not try to seek to hope to transmit it because. And then also I wonder would that help? Like would it have helped me to go into labour really understanding how painful it was going to be? I don't think so. Like Lisa asked me that question. She's like, I feel like I told you and I feel like I could have told you again differently. And <laughs> mm-hmm. and would you have wanted to really know that that was coming? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it's a, it's a really hard one. Um, and like you said, we'll go back. For the second one if you know if if that's part of both of our life paths and we'll get a shot again and that'll be yeah that's part of it and that, that is spoken about that is commonly spoken about that you forget about the pain within about a week of having given birth and then you know people are pregnant again
0: yeah yeah what well, right, right would you if you could, if you're reliving that pain every time you thought about it?
1: No, yeah, I think, and I think, but I do think some people, um, and you know, who knows, like I might, if I feel anxious when I become pregnant again, I will go and get myself some support around that, um, whether it be like extra sessions with Lisa or like to prepare differently, um, Or something to sort of support myself to feel better about doing it again. Because right now I couldn't possibly imagine it. And I guess that's okay at four and a half weeks postpartum to not really want to do it again Um, for various reasons, such as like I don't want another newborn at all right now. Like one is absolutely sufficient and beautiful, but sufficient. Um, (laughs) 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 A challenge enough. yeah, so, like, lots of reasons why I wouldn't want to give birth right now again. But, yeah, if I found that I felt anywhere near like I felt in that week after birthing when I became pregnant again, I would be reaching out for help because that wasn't a very positive place for a little while there. Yeah.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing so honestly about that because, it's yeah, it's not the sort of thing that people talk about a whole lot, and and maybe it's not the sort of thing that heaps and heaps of people experience, but mm. I'm sure it's going to resonate with somebody. And if one or two people <laughs> hear yeah. that, to hear that, I think that's valuable. Yeah, yeah, you've done yeah, I'd be good. so
1: intrigued. Uh, yeah, I'd be so intrigued to how many people feel this way, but then like you have taken away something else. Mm. Like, yeah, it's fascinating because the second I share about how painful it is with people in person, they're like, yeah yeah um (laughs) but that may not be if I said oh please share your birth story that may not be the prominent feature of what they share
0: Mm, yeah oh well thank you would you um would you like to briefly share what the last four and a half weeks have been like for you and how you've adjusted to mothering and a family and breastfeeding with little family
1: yeah that has all been much much nicer um (laughs) 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 I I've been Um, yeah the it actually Lisa said that to me that the the birth and the way that I responded to the birth was the initiation I was supposed to have and then my experience of early motherhood has been like so seamless in comparison like yes there have been challenges of course but the challenges feel neutral like not positive or negative they just feel like I rise to the occasion and meet meet it there and it feels empowering and powerful and being a mum feels incredible overall. Um, I was high as a kite for the first week um, <laughs> and because also like not when I was trying to sleep, but that was when I was thinking about how painful birth was, but um, somehow I managed to exist on very little sleep and high adrenaline and feel amazing um, about mothering and being a mum and really loved every moment and one challenge that did pop up that I did feel quite neutral about um, overall was that when my milk came in um, when, whereas Finley had latched perfectly and there was no issues um, and the colostrum type feeding was going really well when my milk came in he developed a breast aversion due to the sheer size that my breasts grew to and the like rate of milk that had come in and that then resulted in us having to um, syringe feed him breast milk from my letdown for like four days and that was quite exhausting Um, and Stu was integral in that. um, I really got to sort of sit back and hold him and focus on expressing more during those feeding sessions while Stu syringe fed him with um, finger as well so that like definitely this is the interesting thing about like perspective hey like my version of my birth was like oh wow that was so painful but then my experience of this challenge was really neutral and like really empowered and yeah ever since then like Lisa worked really intensively with us she showed up at um, our house like multiple times during that four days and helped us to get that latch working better again at the end of the four days. So he, he needed to build up his energy because he became a bit dehydrated within a short period of time and then he needed to be fed quite large quantities for, um, through syringe and then all of a sudden he was happy to breastfeed again and that was amazing and since then breastfeeding has been really easeful and beautiful um, give or take a couple of times when my nipples have hurt a bit. But, like, overall, <laughs> overall I felt really good. And, um, yeah, he's just so beautiful. He um, does cool new things every day. And I just can't believe that I get a baby that I don't have to give back. Like, I've been such a baby lover my <laughs> entire mm-hmm. life. And, and, like, to hold a baby and get to smell a baby's head, and not have to give that baby back is phenomenally exciting. Um, and like to watch Stu be a father is incredible. And to feel the empowerment within myself as like I can see this transition that I'm currently undergoing and in in like stepping into motherhood and it feels powerful and beautiful and really really. Um, overall like I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> as as you'd expect but as long as I get um, a little nap each day um, I fun- function in a way that I feel really calm and like really happy to encounter the next thing whatever it might be like in the last 24 hours I've fed um, I fed for a seven-hour straight stint of cluster oh feeding, and I was totally okay with that. Like it was it was relentless, of course, but like mentally it felt okay. Like I felt like I was there with it, whereas the day before I didn't get um, enough sleep, and by the time I got to 4 p.m. on a Friday, I was like desperate for my partner to get home, and I cried when he got home. I was like, here, please give me some time. <laughs> because I just needed a little sleep so there, like it seems like at this stage there's been like one day a week where I've reached a moment of like tears um of like oh this is hard but then in general I'm feeling really really like neutral or positive dependent on um what's going on and it's Fun it's like a, I've been really grateful that COVID is where it is right now, and I've been able to share him with my mom and my family, and Stu's family, and a couple of friends so far. Um, we've been really gentle with the visitors, but it's been nice to be able to have them and feel safe in that, um, or safe ish, I guess, in the middle of the pandemic. There's only like safe slash may maybe safe mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but like safer than we felt all year um yeah and I'm just like really excited now I can go for walks and like get him out in the pram I've done that a few times and I'm looking forward to being a stereotype, like I really want to be uh, yoga pant wearing, coffee drinking. Like I don't, know, I don't even drink coffee anymore, but like um, <laughs> some sort of hot beverage <laughs> drinking <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> in my yoga pants with my baby, and be that stereotype. Like I'm looking forward to that, and um,
0: mm, that's kind any version of, of normal feels really um, enticing right now. After it the- so <laughs> does yeah hmm.
1: Yeah. attending a cafe full
0: stop I might have to wrap things up a little absolutely about to get back but it's been such a pleasure speaking to you I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person at some point when you're ready to leave your little baby bubble yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I am looking
1: forward to that too thank you so much it's been a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for witnessing me and hearing me and sending this out into the world for others to witness and hear
0: Mm, it's really cool. cool to be able to share. Yeah, it's
1: a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode with Alicia. If you'd like to see some photos of her and her baby Finley, you can find those on my website or Instagram. Um, you can also follow Alicia on Instagram, underscore this is Alicia, which is E-L-Y-S-I-A. Um, she shares some amazing photos of her family and um, with a strong focus on positive body image. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.